that we, we give out. I try to give one out whenever I meet someone new. Um, and whenever I meet somebody that tells me that they're too far gone or there's just too many messes in their family, I always tell them, like, if God can change and transform my family, I believe he can do it for anyone. Um, Jesus did a radical transformation in our family, and uh, it's really cool to see the effects of that and, and what he is still up to, even through the difficult times, even through the challenges. He's up to stuff. Um, and my, my mom's here uh, also, and she's going to be sharing her testimony next week. And uh, I've had a lot of people ask about that, and I don't know if my dad mentioned it on Friday, but he often will mention the fact that, uh, and I'll, I'm going to steal his joke, but he often mentions the fact that he, he married my mom on the day of his release from prison, so he, he tells her that he never had a day of freedom. Uh, he went right from that into the next. And so, anyway, she's going to be sharing a little bit of her story. And people have asked me about that story. And, and by the way, we don't always recommend to people, hey, go look to get married with somebody on the day of their release from prison. There's been lots of stories where that hasn't happened. Um, but God has just done something significant in our family. And people have asked about her side of the story a lot. So she's going to be sharing a bit of her testimony uh, next week, and uh, she hasn't done that here before, so really looking forward to that on next Sunday. So I'm going to invite my dad to come up. All right, well, good morning. Really great to be here with you once again, and uh, I get the privilege, really, of, of sharing from John, my favorite favorite book in the Bible, the one that impacted me the most when I was just coming to Christ and didn't really understand that Jesus was the word that come alive. And so I shared, I share in my testimony how John 14, 15, and 16 totally impacted me. Good to see you, Jeff. God bless you, brother. Good. And just totally impacted me. But then it was just prior to the resurrection and really understanding. So I, I'm just praying that I can communicate what's been in my heart the last couple of days. I've just spent many hours here just praying and seeking the Lord. And what I felt to do um, before we even start, would you be willing in your own heart, rather than me pray, you pray and just ask the Lord to reveal his word to you today. Would you do that? Just take a moment, just take one moment of quietness and ask the Lord yourself, Lord, would you speak to me today? Would you bring order out of my chaos? Speak to me and give me an ear to hear. Just whatever way you want to word that out. Just take a minute and and invite him to do that. And if you can be really bold this morning, if you're willing, say, Lord, if you reveal something to me today, I'm willing to act on it with your help. I'm willing with your help to put it into practice. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I believe the Lord loves when we speak to him out of our own heart and that when we learn to welcome him. Has anybody ever tried to give someone a hug? You're excited to see you go to give them a hug and they're just like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not a great experience, is it? You know, have you ever given someone a hug and they're just, yeah, you know, and they're just so glad. Like, you, you respond and there's life in that exchange, Right? There's real life. And that's what I believe the Heavenly Father, he wants to come and just wrap his arms around us. And we just need to learn to respond, you know, to respond to him. Because he's got nothing but good planned for us. Amen? But if our perspective is dark, we just don't see it. We just don't know the truth. And I appreciate Jackie sharing. Where are you at, where are you at Jackie? Where's Jackie? The one that just shared here this morning. Where is she? 
Jackie, I was so blessed hearing your story, because as you heard a bit of my testimony, I came from extreme darkness, out of really bad choices, led me into a real pit. But you can see from Jackie's story, it doesn't matter what your journey has been, if you're not walking with God, it's dark. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And without Jesus, there really is no light. And you can live a fairly good life, and you're still in darkness. We just don't realize how dark that really is. Some of us may make extreme choices. I was just someone who did what other people thought about. I was just so impulsive, and I still am today. And I was always impulsive. And so I would just do stupid things that came to my mind. I'd just be stupid enough to go do it. You know, and get myself into a real bad place in life. And many people are like that. You know, especially when you get into addictions. It, 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 it inebriates you in such a way that you just go and do these impulsive things that are terrible. And then you see the consequences of it, and you just want to sedate even more. And you make it even more of a mess. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? You know, you make a bigger mess because you, you can't fix what you've done. There's no way to fix where we've been. Amen? Except coming to the Lord. And I'm going to read this passage this morning in, in uh, John chapter 20. And this is an amazing passage. I've just been meditating on it, meditating it. I'm just going to share a little bit further in the later part of my life as I share this um, John chapter 20. Gospel of John chapter 20. <clears throat> okay. And he says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark. So there's no use that term dark, because darkness covers the earth. And, and darkness is in our mind. You know, Holly, when you're coming in today, we talked about uh, the chaos, and the Lord wants to bring order and light out of the chaos of our lives. Amen? Because light is best seen from darkness. In the mystery of God, He's allowed us to go into a dark place before we really call out to Him. And then you see the light. And when you see the light, it's, it's beautiful. Light, true light, is actually an amazing experience. And my prayer is that every one of you here this morning, you're here because you've responded in some way, however you got here, to God's Spirit. Everyone that's here, you're here because someone has prayed for you, whether from this church or in your lineage, or, or someone in your network has prayed for you. You just don't go walking into a place where you're going to hear about the gospel because the world is dark. And Satan wants to keep the world in darkness. He is the God of this world system, and the system is dark. Would you agree? And we see things getting darker on the planet all the time. So early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and he believed. For until then they were still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. And Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And, and as she wept and stooped and looked in, she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head 
and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message, his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. I love it. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and placed my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Again, peace, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Believe from your heart. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe me because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. And this, this passage of scripture is so powerful because Jesus' real heart begins to come out. Here, and I, and I, what I want to talk to you about today is the, the pers- what is your perspective in your life? Because all those that encountered Jesus had a perspective, had a belief system. We all have some kind of belief system. Would you agree? Whether it's good or bad. And as you'll see, most of the people that encountered Jesus all had a distorted perspective. And if you make decisions based on a distorted perspective, we're living in an unreality, right? We're living in, a, in something that's not based in solid truth. And no wonder we end up in a mess. But what is the whole world looking for? You know, when I really look at it, what are we all looking for? People spend billions of dollars on drugs to feel a little bit better. Drinking to feel a little bit better. It works for a little while, and then you get nasty. And then you make things even worse, Right? But you're really looking for peace. People are looking for peace of mind. 
And we look in all the wrong places. We try to do it ourselves. We look to this and we look to religion. And we even start going to church. And we can be in church and not have peace of mind. Because church isn't about an organization. It's not about a, a, a denomination. The church that Jesus had in mind was about being part of his kingdom where we would look to him, the prince of peace. And he says, all who look to him, he wants to speak peace. Peace. Peace into your chaos. Light into your, into your chaos. Even if your life is totally uncontrolled. Peace. When you begin to look to him, and it's not going to come from any other place, not even the preacher. He can speak the message. When your heart begins to believe, peace is the result. There's a peace that flows into you. I was so blown away when I had prayed and asked the Lord to come into my life. And I didn't feel anything that night. I certainly didn't feel peace. I just knew in my heart that if there was a God, he heard me because I meant it. It was the first time in my life I meant it. I wasn't going to get out of a bad situation. I was already in one. I was in a maximum security prison. I was in an isolation cell within the prison, a prison within the prison for four months straight in something the size of your bathroom. And I was losing my mind. I was 22 years old, and I was, I'd come to the total end of myself. So me calling out to God at this moment wasn't going to change my situation. It wasn't like, Lord, get me out of here, because I was sentenced. It was like, God, get me out of here, this prison that I've ended up in. I've been in prison in here for a long time, and many of you can relate to that. And I was saying, God, please, come in and reveal yourself to me. And if you do, this is why I think it's important to invite the Lord to reveal himself. If you do, if you'll reveal yourself to me in a way that I can know for myself, I will, give, I will serve you the rest of my life. That was my prayer. And the next morning when I woke up, something happened inside of me through the night. God knows how to get to you. Something happened through the night. And I woke up filled with this amazing peace. And all I could describe it was, there was no anxiety for the first time in my entire life. There was no anxiety. I laid there and I'm thinking, like, what's going on? And then I remembered my prayer. And I remember saying, God, all, whatever you're doing, please keep coming. Don't, don't leave. I hadn't read that in the Bible that he won't leave once he starts. I hadn't read that yet. Everybody else in my life had left, right? Don't leave. But this peace, peace had settled right down inside of my spirit. There was a peace like I'd never known before. And so a couple weeks later, I'm reading through the Gospel of John. And when I begin to read that Jesus was going to die for the sins of the world, we talked about that Friday. He would die for the sins of the entire world. That wasn't really a new message to me because I had heard that Jesus had died but it was new, and then it was now affecting my insides because I had welcomed him. You can know the message and not come under its influence, just the same as you can look at a bottle of rum on the shelf. You can stare at it for a year and not come under its influence. But the moment you take off that top and you begin to consume it, and the more you consume it, the more you come under its influence, right? And it's the same with believing. The more you begin to read Scripture, and, and the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And when you begin to read and take in the truths that are in Scripture, it begins to dismantle all the lies that you believed. Right? The best way to dismantle a chaotic mind is get into the word of God. Because while you're reading, he's breathing life. He's breathing light into your spirit. And you're going to have moments where revelation will come to your spirit. How many of you at this point in your life have been reading Scripture, or you've been in a service... And all of a sudden, something that you've heard for years just goes from here to here. Whoa, who's that ever? How many of you have had that experience? 
That's the appearing of Jesus. That is Jesus. That is him making himself known to you. And then you, you want it again, right? It begins a bit, a, bit, a bit addictive. Lord, speak to me. That's why I always say, Lord, speak to me. You know, show me your truth. Because when he shows me his truth, I made him a promise that I would follow it. From the time I started with him in darkness. And I would get these little promptings, as I would say. These promptings would come. And I just started experimenting with promptings. Just this little push or thought, a thought that won't go away. Sometimes it didn't seem very, like it made much sense. But as I began to follow it, I would have amazing encounters with Jesus, with people, with business people, with guards, with police officers. I began to have encounters everywhere I went by following these, these nudges or promptings of his spirit. Jesus wants to be made known to us in every possible way. And he'll displace the chaos of your life. And how will that happen? It's by getting into the scriptures. That's why I encourage people on, on, on Friday night, if you've, if, even if you've done it, I want to encourage you, Nathan's near the end of the book, go read it again. See if you don't get more than what Nathan's preached. Nathan shares his revelation, and if you stay in the Word, you'll get even more. You'll get an insight that you may come, Nathan, did you ever consider this? Wow, that's awesome. You know, the, the, the scriptures come alive in your entire being. And so what's happening is you're becoming more Christ-like, right? Christ is being formed in your personality. Your personality was given as a blessing to your community. Did you know that? Who you are, your very DNA, the person that God created you to be, is supposed to be a blessing to some people everywhere you go. And you've got to stop judging your personality. That's the wrong perspectives that we have that I believe God wants to blow out of the water. That you're going to begin to like the person that you're becoming. You begin to like what God is doing. And so as we begin to agree with what God says about us, our, our, our DNA is changing to what we should be. Does that make sense? You'll begin to be transformed, and in time, you'll even see it. And you'll go through three or four months of reading Scripture, having these, and you'll say, wow, things are changing. I even feel better about myself. I'm starting to even like who I'm becoming. And if you start, are you starting to like who you are, you're getting the right perspective because you're learning to agree with God. There's nothing about pride. It's not arrogance or pride to begin to like what you're doing. What you're saying to Heavenly Father is, Lord, I like what you're doing in me. I'm agreeing with what you're doing in me. I'm agreeing that I'm going to be all that I was created to be. And it doesn't matter how chaotic your life was. That's why testimonies are so powerful. It doesn't matter how chaotic it's been. Doesn't matter whether you've been divorced five times. You know, Jesus met a woman at the well who had been divorced five times in her culture, right? And you see how tenderly he dealt with her? Woman, go call your husband. Well, Lord, I don't have any husband. She'd actually given up on marriage, was now living common law. And he didn't even confront her on that. He did it very beautifully, if you see how he did it. Woman, go call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. And he says, You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. The man you're living with now is not your husband. And she runs into her town, and she comes to a man who told me everything I ever did. Well, he didn't tell her everything he ever did, she ever did. He just let her know that he knew she'd had five husbands, and the man she was now with was not her husband. But in that moment of revelation, she knew that he knew her, and he knew it all. And revival comes to Samaria because of one woman who heard and had an impact, an encounter with Jesus. Amen? And that's all it takes here to start a revival in Thunder Bay. You reach out to some of the most unlikely people. 
most unlikely people on the planet, and God gets a hold of them. And their whole network begins to see Jesus. You know, when I read the story about Jesus, you know, meeting that man at the tombs and completely sets him free from a legion of demons, they had chained him up outside the city because they didn't know what to do with him. And Jesus comes and totally heals him. They come out and find the man in his right mind, fully clothed. I would have thought the rest of the story would, Lord, come in and help the rest of us. And they're so freaked out by it, they asked ask him to leave our region. Go, because they couldn't understand it. It spooked all the demonic that was going on in their lives. But I'll tell you, at a later time when he came through, they were beginning to welcome him. Because sometimes people's first reaction to the gospel is not very pleasant. It's hostile. Because not only is there darkness, there's demonic spirits that seek to enter people's beings, their personalities. And that's what will react. Have you ever been in the presence of Christians and you're, you're really uncomfortable? Remember a time when you were uncomfortable? I remember being invited up to the chapel in Dorchester by a guy, and my, knuckle, my hands were white holding on to the chair because of what was living inside of me. I saw, I don't know, six or eight guys in the choir, all inmates, and seven, I'll say there was eight. Seven were singing, and one was lit up. And I'm like looking at him, everything was in me was spooked. I saw a light shining through this guy's countenance, a bright light. And by the way, I've seen that in many of you here since I've been here. There's many of you that are responding to God's work in your life beautifully. And that light is shining. The light of Jesus is shining through you. Well, I saw that light, but when you're in darkness, everything in me was spooked by what I saw. And I left the chapel and I told my friend, don't ever invite me back. I'm never going back to the chapel. I was so uncomfortable. Cal, you can't write it off after one encounter. You've got to come again and check it. I did, and I was still uncomfortable because I was, I was demonized. A number of months later, I end up in the isolation unit. I call upon the name of Jesus because I heard the gospel. But meanwhile, just like our sister Jackie, all these seeds were being sown in my life all along the way. And finally, I call out, God, if you're real, come into my life and show me, and I'll follow you. And in that moment, he came in. And you know what I woke up without? I woke up with his spirit, and I went through a deliverance through the night because that angry, raging spirit wasn't in me when I woke up. Jesus delivered me from the darkness. But I remember a few days later reading scripture, and I read a verse that said, when, a, when an evil spirit is cast out of a man, it goes out into dry places seeking rest, and when it finds none, it comes back to that vessel that it was cast out of it was swept and clean, but it wasn't filled. And that demon came in with seven others worse than itself. And the Bible says the last state of that man was worse than the first. Demons are evil, and they seek to hurt, mar children from the time they're kids, to mark them as young as they can, get their distortions off so that we can't trust, and we're all walled up. And then we get hurt more, because there's none of us that can say, no one's ever going to hurt me again. As soon as you go into that place, you're being hurt every day by the torment you live with, the unforgiveness you live with, the trauma you live with. But when, G, when you let him in, he, dis, he displaces all that stuff. And he's going to set many people free from your torments, from those dark dreams in the night that some of you still have. Jesus wants to be light, and he'll drive that stuff out. Amen? And the best way to do it is live like this. If, if, that, if you want that, just... Every day you wake up, just go like this when you get up. Lord, I welcome all that you are in me today. I welcome you to be revealed in me. Whether it happens there, or a week, or a month, or two years down the road, I was still getting freedom from things 10 years into my walk. I was in missions, and I was still going through free, different types of freedom. As God began to touch into areas of trauma 
in my life that I had buried so deep, I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord would touch an area of my life, and I'd break down. I'd go through a, I'd go through a freedom, mostly through the gifts of the Spirit and other believers. God used other believers that were gifted in word of knowledge, in discernment, to help me as a young Christian wanting to serve God, still living with some of the trauma and torments of my past. God's laser light come right into my life, and, whew, and he set me free from rejection, all the years of rejection that I carried. I, I went through a freedom 10 years after being a believer before I got delivered of rejection, before I got delivered of fear. I remember praying with a woman one night, and she said, and we were, we, were, we were in deliverance sessions with others, and something was stirring. When you're involved in deliverance and moving, you know, seeing people set free, it touches every area of your own life. The Bible says the word of God is a double-edged sword, right? So here we are praying for freedom for others and seeing it happen, and all of a sudden something started stirring in me. Ten years in the faith. And I said to this woman who was very gifted, would you just pray? It was two in the morning. I finished praying with several people. And I said, I know it's late, but I said, something's really bothered me, and I don't know what it is. Would you just pray if God gives you something? We'll go with it. If not, we'll just call it a night. And as soon as they begin to pray, she says, you're carrying rejection. I said, no, I'm not. She said, you are. You're carrying rejection. I said, no, I'm not. It came out very hostile to someone I really loved and trusted. I said, whoa, where'd that come from? Anyway, she, they begin to pray. And she says, you just pray and ask the Lord. I had done Bible studies on rejection. And now I get into Heavenly Father, if I'm carrying any, and I can't even get the word out. I'm, I said, Heavenly Father, if I'm carrying any, and my throat was just going funny. I couldn't get that word out. And I heard them doing some warfare over me. And finally I said, Father, if I'm carrying reject, and I got the word half out, and I broke. Emotionally, I broke, and I emptied out pain that was submerged from the time I was a child. My father leaving when I was two, you heard me share that. My mother left when I was four. Grew up in a home where I didn't know if I was loved or not or wanted. Anybody looked at me the wrong way, I thought they didn't like me. And that caused me to get into all kinds of trouble looking for love in all the wrong places. And in this moment, all of a sudden, Father, if I'm carrying reject, just a volcano came out of me. I had, I'm not a very emotional person. You know, I'm at peace most of the time. And this volcano erupted. And I went through a deliverance from rejection. And then she said, the second thing I see is fear. I said, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fearful. She said, I see it, Cal, you're in fear. No, I'm not. <laughs> and I was in there, it was just awesome. No, I'm not. And it was weird because I thought, why, what is this? And then we begin to pray. And once again, I broke again as they were praying over me. I would tell believers, if you struggle, get up, God forgives you. If you sin, God forgives you. But somehow in the back of my mind, my subconscious being, I thought God was still going to find fault with me in the end. And all these other people would get into heaven. And even though I've served him, that I was going to come up short. And it was a lie. It was a lie right out of the pit. God put me in my mother's womb, knowing my father would leave, knowing my mother would leave. He put me in her womb because he had a purpose for my life. And when I finally realized that and I embraced that truth, it set me free. It set me free from the lie of the enemy. Now, how many of you, don't put up your hand, but how many of you could just acknowledge inside you still live with some rejection? Because there's a lie operating in your life. God puts you in your mother's womb. God had a purpose for you even before you were born. And yet he allowed you to go through all this darkness and all this journey and all these things on the earth, knowing that one day the seeds in your life that were being sown were going to begin to sprout. And he's going to set you free. 
as a believer in Christ. He's going to set you free if you keep looking to him. Amen? You will find your freedom because Jesus wants to give you peace. You ever notice how often he says, peace be unto you? Peace. Peace. He wants us to be um, possessed by peace. Peace is our gift as a child of God. Any of you here today, would you want to see, or maybe you, maybe you do struggle with some of this, you don't want to see your children struggling with torment. Or the choices you made, they're still living under the effects of that. The devil taunts you. I know he does. He taunts some of you. You've never been a good mother. You've never been a good father. Look at your kids. You know, look at who's gone off the rail. Look at your marriage. You know, it's all your fault. You've done something wrong. He, he torments us with all that lies, right? But here's what happened to, to uh, Mary in chapter 20. He said, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? She was crying because she was believing something that wasn't true. And she'd followed Jesus for three years. She believed he was dead, and yet he was alive. Her reality was wrong. Would you agree? At that moment, yes, he did die for the sins of the world, but even the disciples didn't grasp that he was going to rise from the dead to conquer every spirit that's ever worked against you. Every spirit of torment that's worked against you, Jesus conquered. When we grasp that, the fruit of it is going to be joy and peace. And you'll begin to know that there's no reality that you can be walking in that God doesn't have the power to turn around for your benefit. We've all read the verse, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. Amen? But how much of it has it really penetrated our whole being? All things will work together. Think of where you're facing right now or the condition of your mind or your emotions. I want to say that all things work together for the good of you who love the Lord. And so our only responsibility is really to love the Lord, to get to know Him. And as you begin to love the Lord, you begin to love the brethren. And as you begin to love the brethren, your spirit's going to be more open to the gifts and abilities that are in the, in the church. And there's some of you here today that have gifts that can bring people into freedom. Some of you have word of knowledge. I know you do. I saw Friday night here. I saw many of you overflowing with the joy of the Lord. And I thought there's a people gathered here for a purpose that are going to bring freedom to many. I know it. Some of you are already walking in the things of God deeply. And those of you that are walking deeply need to be speaking life and power and acceptance into people that come into this place or wherever you go out in the streets. Amen? I had a dream I shared with Nathan a couple years ago. And in the dream that I shared with Nathan, I was scheduled to speak at, a, at Nathan's church. But I was late. I was late getting to the service because I was out working with pastors and leaders setting up hope rallies and events to reach the lost and reach other people's kids and other people's family who are out in darkness. And so as I was working with other leaders, I actually got to the service late. And when I got to the service that Nathan was having to lead because I didn't show up, you got the, the people were all spilling out of the church on fire. Like, I mean, just overflowing. The presence of God was just billowing out of this meeting hall. And there was hundreds. There was literally hundreds in that dream that I had and I, and I remember looking, I thought, well, I wasn't even needed here. Nathan was doing what he was doing. I was doing what I was doing. People here were overflowing and spilling over into the good things of, of God. And you were spilling over into the community. Christ in you, you were so filled up 
that his spirit was spilling out everywhere. And I'm like, whoa, it was like a, like a, I can't even describe to you the wall of people that I saw coming out of, coming out of a meeting filled with the joy of the Lord that was actually overflowing. And it wasn't like you had to go and do evangelism. It was spilling out of you. You could not do it at that point. Wouldn't that be fun? Getting to a place where you, you're going to be a witness for Christ and it's just so spilling out of you. It's just words of knowledge were coming. Prayers were coming. You know, you were just so filled up. And that's what meetings should be. You're filled up time. You get filled up with the presence. You're in the people of the word. And you're spilling over into the lives of people everywhere you go. And you're going to be an answer to the prayers of others for their loved ones because you've gotten to know the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? And if you walk, we get the same spirit. It's not another spirit. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that comes into you when you believe. And that's why belief is so important. And you can't make it happen, but you can listen when the word is being preached and let God bring you to a place of believing. And the moment you truly believe is the moment you become what? A believer. Right? We're believers. We're believers in Christ. Amen? Yes. How can you tell the difference between the voice of Jesus and the voice of Satan? The greatest way that I come to know that was because I was in darkness, I'll just use my own experience, because I was in the darkness, when I invited Christ to come in, and all of a sudden as I'm reading scripture, new thoughts were coming, that was the dilemma because sometimes you begin to hear from the Lord, little, little, little eclipses would come into your spirit, but then not every thought you think is necessarily the Lord because we're still in here. We still have our, our personality, our being. And the voice of Satan would come and the voice of the Lord. But how I began to discern it, when I had a clear, just I, I made the Lord a promise. And I said, Lord, if you reveal something to me in a way I could know it. And so what I started doing was focusing on what he would reveal to me. And I would just start putting that into practice. And it, things just got brighter and brighter and brighter. Anything that was negative, I just rejected it. If it was negative, and the more you know the word, the more negativity can't dwell in you. Because the word will come up in your mind and no, no, that's not... A, that, if anything's not going in the direction of your faith, just start rejecting it, right? So what happens is, you, is your discernment gets clearer and clearer, but it doesn't happen overnight because we're still a human being. We still have a free will, right? And so you, anything, what, I, what I said, without a vision, one of the things I said, Lord, I, my, my goal was to become Christ-like. My greatest prayer is that, Lord, I want to be Christ-like. I want Jesus living in me, operating through me, and so anything that didn't contribute to that, I began to reject. Gossip, negativity, movies that were not good, I just began to reject it. People that were speaking you know, evil of someone else, no, that's my brother. You know, whatever was good, I embraced. And whatever kept me in peace, that's really what I would say that was the bottom line for my life. Whatever I began to follow, when I, I found when I followed the things that were of the Lord, I would remain in this peaceful place. And as soon as something would take me out and I start feeling that, err. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. You get that little, uh, when you're going the wrong way, you just feel something's off. Listen to that. Because God gives us a discerning spirit. And you'll know in your gut when you're doing the wrong thing. Even when I was in the world, I go to steal, I'm looking to see who's watching. You know, you know we all know it, right? Because even though I wasn't in Christ, I knew what I was doing was wrong. And the same as when we come to Christ, if you, you set your will to do the right thing, you will find a way to do the right thing. And you'll know it because he'll affirm to you. In Romans 8, and I think it's around verse 16, he says his spirit will, will soon affirm in your spirit that you are children of God. 
He'll affirm that to you. Romans, in Romans, he says, and God, for a new believer, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. Meaning you will have authority over all the power of darkness. Lies come, now you know you've got the power to say no. If you live in fear of men, you're living in a distortion. And you'll give in because you want to please people. Stop pleasing people. Lord, I'm going to please you. And you'll become a blessing to people everywhere. Because you become a leader amongst men. Amen? And, and that's for all of us. We're, we're, our inheritance is to be kings and priests in God. We're all to be called a kingdom of a priesthood of believers. That means we stand in the gap for each other. We help people restore their life to God together. Leaders that come and you see leaders come and set up before service. They're leading the meeting. But it's so that we're poured into all of us. And then we go out and do what we've seen modeled, what we're a part of. We're part of a family. We're part of a kingdom. And we walk in that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Friday night, one of the things that was on my heart, and I still felt it this morning, um, people that are living in this unreality because darkness wants to distort us, and it has a lot to do with death. And I really believe what God wants to deliver some of us from this weekend is our distortion concerning people that have passed on. Some of us have been held back by grief. We've been held back because we're still hanging on to wish they were here. Well, most of those people don't wish they were here. If you've read anybody that's gone on and gone to be in heaven, they don't want to be back here. It's a way better place. And if you've got a mother, a father, a daughter, or someone, or a baby that's passed on, release them to the Lord. And I encourage you, some people have been stuck and you haven't been able to carry on your journey. Now, Friday night I felt there was a breaking in many of us. But I want to encourage you, when you can get to a place like this with the person you grieve over the most, because there's been a loss, and if it's a marriage even, a marriage or a breaking of relationships can be like a death. Lord, I give this over to you. And the Bible says what? Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And you won't have peace until you trust him with your loved ones. If you've lost a child, it's hard. It's hard to have lost a child. God lost his son, but he raised him from the dead. If your child has gone on before you, trust that God raises them up. Trust the Lord with their life. He's doing everything he can to reach souls. He's not willing that one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe as many people that may have been died in drugs or, or, or died in a violent situation. And in their spirit, there may have been a cry, God, please, if you're there. How many of you were faced death, close to death, and your spirit immediately cried out to God? God, if you can help me now. I remember being in a car accident where a truck was coming over the front of my car while I'm back on a guardrail. And I was like, God, help me with this. I didn't even want to get out of death. I just didn't want to be crushed. The feeling of being crushed over by a tractor trailer. And I said, God. And all of a sudden, the car took one more half turn and he hit me from behind and sent me over the median somewhere else. But my spirit immediately cried out to God. I had an uncle that died of an overdose. I think it was a deliberate one. When they found him, it was two or three days in, my oldest uncle, they found him like this. He was actually stiffened on the floor and his chin was in his hands like this, like a prayer. I said, I wonder if Mark was calling out to God while he knew he was passing. How many remember the story that's so encouraging? He thought Jesus died between two thieves, guilty men. One was railing on him, and the other looks over and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? Remember me. And Jesus looks at him. He didn't have time for baptism. He didn't have time to repent of his whole life. He didn't have time to become part of a church membership. He didn't have time to go to Bible college. He just said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus looks at him, and in a moment he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. I'm like, wow, this Jesus is incredible. That was his repentance. He just acknowledged that Jesus had what he needed, and he didn't have it within himself. But a religious mind would say, well, he didn't repent, he didn't become a church member, he didn't do this. Jesus said in his calling out to Jesus, he admitted his life was wrong, and that was enough. This day you'll be with me in paradise. This is Jesus. This is what he does. So what I want to encourage you, even after we're gone here today, those of you that are still carrying grief, trust this is a message from God because it's been in my heart all weekend for you. And he's going to do something so significant in this group of people that you're going to become a witness everywhere throughout this region. I know you are. Your inheritance is to be a witness for Christ. I love the fact that there's many ministries that gather here. I was so blessed. I want to tell you, meeting some of your other leaders here. You know, Northwind and Grace Place and... Teen, you know, teen Challenge and, and just groups that are gathering here. God is doing something and he's just building something up to equip people to send them out on fire for him. Amen? So whatever's happening here is very unique. You're in a very special place in the heart of God. You really are because when there's unity, and we read that this morning, we were praying into unity this morning, where there's unity, God's, God's heart is blessed. When brethren dwell together in unity... It's like oil dripping down all over your life. The blessings of God flow out of unity. And there's such a heart of God here among you, his people. He is very pleased with you. He loves your walk with each other. He loves the way you care about each other. He loves people. He just loves people. And he loves you very deeply. So those of you that are carrying any kind of trauma over death or over broken marriages or broken relationships... I want you to trust the Lord. Nathan, would you go in your office and bring me out that picture on the shelf, my dad, you, and me? I want to show you something. Uh, my family, as you heard Friday night, was very dark. Three ended up dead of drug overdoses of my immediate family. Three of us ended up in prison for long periods of time. The devil had tried to destroy my family completely. And through one uncle that believed, one uncle that believed started something in our family. My Aunt Joy got saved a few years later because Dave was praying. She married the minister's son. God moved the pastoral family right into the Masquerie family. There was more reasons than one, I'm sure. God moved this pastoral ministry right into the Masquerie family. They were praying for us. We began to be exposed to seeds being sown that were legitimate because he really loved Jesus, and I could see the light of the Lord. I didn't trust many Christians at, at all or any people, but I trusted what I saw in that man's spirit. Because there was light, there was illumination, there was truth. And I began to recognize that. And then when I came to the Lord, and God promised me that if I would give myself in reaching other people's children, that he would bring my family to know God. He would bring us all in. And he's been doing that. And I was looking and I was meditating in Nathan's office the other day. And there's a picture of my dad, 33 years in prison, involved in serious crimes. They share shootouts with the police. He'd been shot, shot point blank when they were finishing off that shootout. 11 shots were fired. Four were hits. Nobody died. And six feet away, the last, there was no bullets left. The other officer leaned over the hood and shot twice at my dad in the head and missed him. The enemy tried to take out our family. And I was looking at this picture. And I thought, when I come to Christ through Dave, I began praying, God, whatever it takes to save my dad, please do it. And I couldn't even picture it. I thought, God could save me, he could save anybody but not this man. And, three and a half, two and a half, three months later, he writes me from another prison, 
Cal, the change I've seen in you through your letters. I've given my heart to Jesus. I didn't get it right away because I thought he must be up to something. But what I found out later, God was up to something bigger than I thought. Because my perspective was, I couldn't picture him talking about Jesus. So I think, oh, he's thinking I'm giving him a tip on how to get out of prison early. Say you're a Christian, go to chapel, do all the programs. Because guys do that to get out. But they're not transformed, right? And all of a sudden, he's writing, tell me about the joy that he's found. And when he said Holy Spirit, I knew he knew the Lord. Because not just everybody talks about Holy Spirit. They don't in the nightclubs. They don't in the places of prostitution and drug addiction and all that kind of stuff. We curse Jesus, we curse God, but nobody talks about the Holy Spirit. When he said the Holy Spirit, and I watched my dad go from a violent offender to a teddy bear. I used to, I used to call him a, a, a marshmallow. I said, only God can make marshmallows out of tough men. And he really does, right? And I looked here, and there was, God swung back and got my father. Not only did he, did he bless the next generations going forward, because I dedicated all my children to the Lord. I did not want my children experiencing what our background had been. Nathan was born, probably out of panic, and panic of being a father. I didn't know how to be a dad. I just I picked Nathan up when he was born. I said, God, let him serve you all the days of his life. Let him not see my family background. We break off every curse in Jesus' name. Let him serve you all the days of his life, not just when he gets to be 22 or 40, and he has. And I'm very proud of my son Nathan. You know, to see what he's doing here today. I'm just blessed to see God has brought him to Thunder Bay to be a blessing here. So God swept back and got my father. All my children are serving the Lord. And I get to see my grandchildren in church rather than in, you know, crack shacks and prisons and everything like that. I'm seeing, I'm glad you guys are in church, by the way. I love seeing you guys there, part of it. And I pray for a major awakening in every one of my grandchildren, that they will know and love Jesus and be kept from the darkness. Amen? But in my case, God swept back and got the one man I thought he couldn't. And the future generations I could believe him for, but to sweep back and get my father. And I'd lost touch with my mother. I didn't share that Friday. But 25 years later, she found me on the internet as I was a missionary. And I was able to go down and visit her when I was 40 years old, after 24 years. And I asked her, I said, Mom, I says, you know, I asked her if she regretted leaving when she was all Cal, of course I do. And I said, well, Mom, I want you to know I can call you Mom today because God put me in your womb. And it opened up a relationship between us. And two months later, she came to Christ. But I'm talking about a 25-year period. With God, time is as if it's nothing. To you and I, it seems long. Some of you are praying for your children. I often get people approach me with their kids. You know, and we pray for them. But I know it could be five years down the road or ten years down the road. But with God, it's already planned. And all the striving you have over your children... Is, is, is turned into prayer, yes. But there's a point where you can start thanking him for their salvation. But if you release the ones that are holding you in emotional bondage because you're, you're grieved, you can't really live your, prompt, your promptings. You'll never get in touch with following an adventure today. So what I want to encourage you to do, sometime over this next day, do it here before you leave, do it at home. Lord, I release my lost ones to you. Because in God, his purpose isn't over. Amen? I release my children, Lord. It's grieved me, yes. I release my child to you. I release my broken marriages to you. I release my children to you that are off wherever. And here's what I would pray for my children. I did it for my dad. I said, God, whatever it takes, rather than see them die in sin, 
Lord, whatever it takes to bring them into the faith, turn them over, flip them over backward, do whatever, but don't let Satan kill them. Put a hedge of protection around them. Let them come, let them come undone if they need to, but let them call out to Jesus. Pray aggressive prayers. Better to pray an aggressive prayer and see someone saved than pray God bless them in their sin. Would you agree? God, do whatever it takes. I encourage you. Pray radical prayers. And so I've seen God sweep through my family. And when I look at that picture the other day, I was so, I was so blessed to see the inheritance that God has given me on the earth when I, when I, by all rights, shouldn't be here. Other than that people prayed me and, and I was safe from several dangerous, dangerous encounters where I should be dead. And yet I died in a different kind of way. I want to be dead. I really do. I pray all the time. Lord, slay the beast in me. Slay the self-centered nature in me so that Christ can live through me. I pray that continually. Lord, slay everything about everything self-centered in my life. And I'll tell you, the more you die, the more your network will be blessed. Think about it. The more you die to the self-centeredness of your life, they're going to begin to see Jesus. People are going to feel loved where they felt distance from you. You won't be hugging a board. You'll be hugging someone that responds. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you. you don't, I know we did it Friday night, but I'm just encouraging you. Release those to the Lord. Mary Magdalene's reality was she thought Jesus was dead. She was crying and grieving and weeping, and he was alive. He was alive. Her perspective changed. And all the believers, their perspective changed. I was going to read a little more, but I, won't, I don't, for time I won't this morning. But um, was it Luke 24? Was that the other passage? A bit of Luke 24, Jesus on the Emmaus Road meets these disciples who are grieving and say, don't you know all that's happened here? They didn't even realize they were talking to the resurrected Christ. Here he is alive, and they're talking about his death and all the bad things that happened to him. And don't we live that way, talking about all the bad things that have happened to us? And we miss that Jesus is alive. And for you who believe, he's alive right through here, right? And may he give you peace, peace beyond what your mind could even comprehend. To those who live with torments, you get his reality in your life, and he'll replace the torments with absolute peace, absolute peace, absolute peace. Is that Jack sitting up there? God bless you, Jacks. God bless you. I believe God's doing something so astounding in your life. This man, you pray for him. He's going to go on to be a powerful servant of God. I just felt that after talking to you Friday night. I haven't forgotten you. God's got something wonderful in store, and I can see it. Your whole interior is going to be lit up, and you're going to influence many for Jesus. God bless you, Jax. Amen. Bless you, brother. Amen. Um, so I just want to encourage you, deal with whatever it is. Just, and when you can go like this before the Lord with the ones you've been grieving over, you're going to be free. And then you're going to have fun. There's nobody up there that's saying, stay grieved over me. Amen? There's nobody that's gone ahead of you that's going to say, please stay grieved the rest of your life and don't have fun. Keep thinking about me. Keep thinking about my death. Keep thinking about the loss. I'm up here celebrating. Come on, I'm cheering for you. You know, think about heaven. The heavenly reality is so different than what we think. And so may God displace all the wrong concepts of your mind. Amen? Can we just stand together and pray that together, and then I'll turn it over to Jeremy? Amen. Because I believe there's power in what we speak. Amen? There's power in what we speak. And let's pray that the distortions of our mind begin to be put away, and that we've come into agreement with what God says about your life.
If you come into, as you come into agreement with what God says about your life, your whole network is going to be blessed because they're going to see a transformation. The greatest gift you can give to your loved ones is a new you. The greatest gift you can give fathers to your children is a new dad. A dad who really knows how to love because he's in you. Mothers, you failed your children. So is every other mother. So is every other mother. But God makes up all the deficiencies. He does. And they can see a transformed woman. They're just going to fall in love with the Jesus that's in you. Amen? So Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for um, this same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after crucifixion, after being brutally murdered. Lord, you let that all happen. And it was grievous. It looked terrible to anybody that was watching. But Father, you had a greater plan. You had a greater plan for every man, woman, and child on the planet. That through the death, the brutal execution of Jesus on behalf of every one of us, let us not miss what Jesus did on that cross in exchange for us. He gave himself into this bloody death. It was marred more than any other man. But Father, you had a purpose to raise him from death. And I pray you'd show us the power of this resurrection spirit. And Jesus said in that scripture that as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We are sent to be the body of Christ throughout the earth. And so, Father, I just pray for those that have been living with grief and distorted minds, distorted, distorted thinking. I pray that your power would surge into our life, even right now, and begin to drive out the darkness because of who you are. And so, Father, show us how to surrender to you. Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I welcome the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to come fully into my life, to dismantle every work of darkness, to drive out every distortion, every tormenting spirit. I want nothing to do with them anymore. I give up any unreality. And I surrender to you. My will. My being. Come and take possession of me. And let me receive your fullness every day. I am a new creation. The old is passing away. And I am becoming new. And I love your work in me. I welcome your Holy Spirit. I pledge my loyalty to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just pray, let that soak in us just, just for a moment. Let that soak inside. Just open up your arms for a minute. And Father, I just pray you just bless us with the revelation of your love for us right now. You love your children, Father. You love us with all your heart. And I pray, Lord, your plans would be fulfilled in our lives. Your plans would be fulfilled. And I pray peace of mind right now for some that have been living with torments. I just say peace to you. The peace of Jesus into your mind, into your emotions, into who you are. Peace, peace, peace that passes all understanding would fill you right now by his spirit. He loves you and he treasures you. He loves you and he treasures you. And if there's anything blocking right now, just say this with me. Heavenly Father, I also choose to forgive myself for all my failures. I put it all into your hands and believe that you will work good on my behalf. Thank you, Lord. 
thank you, Lord. And Father, let that truth prevail in our spirit in Jesus' name. Because he whom the Son sets free is what? He whom the Son sets free is what? He whom the Son sets free is what? Amen. Now you overflow in your community. God's got a destiny for you. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Jeremy. Anybody that should be baptized, it's not too late. I still believe there's a couple more here that need to be baptized. God's been speaking to you about it. It's not too late. Obey him and see what he does. It's not too late. That water is not cold, by the way. It's been prepared for you. So if that's you, go and speak to Nathan. And if this is your time, you need to do that. Guys, today as we uh, prepare to do a communion together, today in the next few moments, I believe that communion can be a climax to uh, Cal's message here. And he, uh, Cal alluded to a story, which I'm going to tell just briefly, but after Jesus was risen from the dead and most people didn't know, uh, he snuck up on two guys who were, who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking on the road to Emmaus, um, <clears throat> they're talking about all their troubles and how Jesus has been killed and Jesus walks up, they don't know who he is, and, uh, and Jesus like, says, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, you, you don't know? And, and Jesus ends up in a conversation with these guys. And in this conversation, their hearts start to burn. And they still don't know who it is. But their hearts are just like being ignited by who God is. And, and so they, they finish the journey. They get to the end. And, and uh, it's getting night. And they, uh, Jesus, not, they don't know it's Jesus. He, he makes it look like he's going to keep going. And, and then these guys invite him to stay with them. And so they coax him to stay. And that's where I'm just going to read to us out of the scripture. But this is what happens next when they invite Jesus to stay. 